Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest does a hell of a job covering sports all along the I-5 corridor. Seattle, all the way down to, uh, was that Baja? Down in California. Tyson Alger, expanding the footprint, joining us now. How are you, man? Good, man. I'm going I'm to have to get that passport updated if I really want to cover one of those Baja. Uh, what do they do down there? Some of those, like, buggy racing? Buggy I, I, racing. I think that would be good corridor content. A lot of Chargers fans in that uh, San Diego area still in that corridor down there. Um, hey, speaking of the corridor, uh, the uh, the Pac-12 is going to release their football schedule officially tomorrow. We got a peek at some of the details. What are you eager to see when you when you get the schedule? Boy, that that week eleven is going to be one great for the Pac-12 with the, the the type of games you have that week with a USC at Oregon and then Utah traveling to Washington. I mean, like that's that's as good of exposure as you're going to get for four teams that are expected to contend for the Pac-12 title. But on the same time, at the same time too, like that's that's going to be the week that that the Pac-12 narrows down to just a couple teams in contention, right? <laughs> like it's. It's kind of the, the the same old story and dance here about the Pac-12 eating itself, and I, I, I think uh, you know as uh, as anticipated as next year is, like it's like that's that's uh, you know I, I expect College Game Day to be in Eugene uh, for for USC and Oregon, especially since it's been so many years since the, the Trojans have come up here. But you know between that and then you know uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, Colorado and Dion coming uh, for the first game of. Uh, uh, first game of the Pac-12 season in Eugene and, and just I, I want I want to see Dion in that auxiliary press room that they have right outside Austin Stadium where it's you know it's maybe like four <laughs> by five it's a couple it's a couple it's a couple folding chairs you have to really like reach your reach your microphone around like the one speaker in there to even get a get a quote like it's it, it's just so funny that there's so much of kind of razzle dazzle and, and pizzazz around like his arrival to Colorado and I just want to see him in the thick of a, a college football schedule where it's not all, you know, bright lights and, and big press conference rooms, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because I think people who don't know, they see the very polished-looking University of Oregon post-game media, the uh, paneled wood, Dan Lanning uh, up on the stage, and, you know, leather seating for the uh, media members who are there, and it's movie theater-style seating, and then... The visiting press thing, as Tyson mentioned, you go through the tunnel as you leave Autzen, you take a right-hand turn, and they literally have erected like a, I'm going to say it's about a 20 by 10 tent that looks like it could fly away. There's one speaker that's nowhere near the person speaking, so you can't simultaneously ask a question and then also re- hear the answer because you got to be by the, the speaker. Like, I... I've heard people complain about that. Do you think they do that on purpose? Do you think that's a psychological thing? 
I mean, it has to be a little bit, but also, you know, when you're when you're going through the budget and, and you spend 99% of what you have on putting Ferrari leather seating in a room that you barely use inside of uh, the Hatfield Dowling complex like the Ducks do, uh, may, maybe you're out of money for that. But it's, you know, I, I, I will say that Oregon is an outlier here. If, if, you, if you go up to Seattle, you know, that's uh, their, their uh, opposing press conference room is in like a utility room underneath the stadium. Um, I've definitely gotten lost looking for the one in Pullman because you have to go into a different building and go through the weight room. Yes. I remember one game in one. I remember one game in 2015. It was I. I got lost. I was on deadline. I ran into Royce Freeman, who was supposed to be talking, and he was lost. And so I figured, well, as long as I'm paired <laughs> with Royce, like they're not going to start until the running back gets there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's always kind of one of those like fun stressful and, and unique things about, uh, uh, you know, covering the speed is, is just kind of the different places that they stick uh, the opposing media and, and press conferences. Yeah, in Seattle at, at Husky Stadium, you, you pretty much leave the stadium when you're leaving the press box, and then you have to come back into the stadium, and you're on a loading dock somewhere, and I feel like it's I'm in a CIA <laughs> movie or something. Uh, Tyson Aldridge, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, and it is, and, and conceivably, it's never not pouring rain when you're looking for these things, too, yeah. right? Like you're, you're, it's, it's always the least ideal conditions to to, to get to these spots. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at you. Uh, USC, uh, per a source, is going to get a bye week in the final week of the conference season. I got a peek at the schedule. I saw it. USC is getting a bye week on. Uh, you know, what is essentially Thanksgiving weekend. They'll play UCLA on the 18th. They'll get a bye in front of the conference championship game. Now, it's being met. That news is being met around the conference by people who are going, hey, that's not going to be fair. USC is going to get an extra week off in preparation for the conference championship game. But I would argue, you know, as you look at the way the schedule unfolds, it is nine straight weeks that USC has to play between week four and week 13. They played nine straight games without a break. And that includes road games at Notre Dame, at Oregon. It includes home games with Utah and Washington in October and in November. Uh, I, is the bye week in week 13 an unfair advantage, or is it is it negated by the fact that USC is playing nine straight games? Nobody else is doing that. I, I think people are making a bigger deal out of this than it needs to be just because it's a trendy topic because obviously USC and UCLA are going to be leaving. So it's kind of like, oh, here the Pac-12 win again, like screwing itself over. And I am I agree with you. I think playing nine straight Pac-12 games in this year of the Pac-12, like that's a brutal schedule. Like I, you can look back at this last season when UCLA started. What did UCLA start, like 4-0, 5-0? But then they had to play that streak where it was like USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah. Like that, that's a gauntlet, and the Pac-12 isn't going to be or wasn't as good this year as or last year as it is going to be this year. And so, yeah, like I, I think if they can manage to to run the table and get to the conference championship game, obviously it would be nice to have that little bit of a buy beforehand. But I I would if you know I would rather have Oregon schedule where you do have a little bit of a recoup before going into a really big rivalry game with Washington. I, I think having kind of that, that mid-season break where you can kind of adjust and get healthy. And, you know, that's the thing is if, if USC suffers, like, a pretty major injury to an important position group, like, they're not going to have any time during the year to recover. Um, so, you know, I, I guess it's one of those things where if you're USC, you just kind of, like, you know, hope that you have the depth and, and talent advantage through your recruiting that it's, it's, that you'll be able to make it through those nine weeks. But especially with the way that that team's defense played all year, 
I, I, I don't see them making it through that entire gauntlet uh, unscathed. I'm looking at the odds for the Heisman Trophy in 2023. It's awfully early, but Caleb Williams is uh, number two on the board at 6-1. to one. Uh, Behind him in the Pac-12, you've got Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., both at 12-1. to one. Beyond that, DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State is 50-1. to one. You also have Cameron Risen at 80-1, to one, Utah's quarterback. Uh, where's the best money? Where's money well spent in your mind when you talk about Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., DJ at Oregon State, and Cam Rising at Utah, the quarterbacks? You know, I, I really like the combo of like Penix and Bo Nix. They're at, what would you say, 10-1? 12-1. Um, they're both 12-1. Twelve to one, but my my issues with those is you know Oregon is retooling its offensive line this year, so you know there's going to be a little bit of question mark there. Um, and then you know Penix, he he led the nation in passing last year and didn't get a trip to New York, so I think that's going to be completely dependent on whether or not the Huskies are actually ready to to kind of step onto the national stage and and become you know the team that a lot of people up north up the, the highway uh, want them to be. But fifty to one for DJU and Corvallis, I. I, I would be willing to take a flyer on that. You know, I, I know things didn't work out for him at Clemson the way that, like, everyone expected. You know, I, I think, you know, this was a kid who, coming out of St. John Bosco and down in uh, Southern California, it, was, it, it wasn't a question that he was going to be, like, the next Cam Newton. I mean, they were basically already anointing this guy as, as a future number one pick. And, um, you know, I don't think he quite fit. Clemson for for the time that he was there, and I'm just I, I know what Jonathan Smith was able to kind of milk out of an offense that had no quarterback this year. The fact that they're returning a lot of players on that defense. I mean, like all year this year, I was saying that Oregon State was probably like just even average quarterback play away from being in the Pac-12 title game. And DJU with the right coaching, I think is can be far superior than just your average quarterback. I'm I'm really excited to see what what Smith is able to do with a player of just that with that sort of athleticism because that, that type of quarterback, that type of athlete isn't the type that just ends up in Corvallis. And yeah, I, you know, he, he got benched towards the end of last season, but I, I, I think that, I think that was a little bit of an outlier. I'm, I'm pretty darn excited to see what he can do uh, down in Corvallis. Tyson Alger, you can find him at i5corridor.com covering sports and other uh, topics along the corridor. Uh, two stories recently that you've written. Um, Oregon's replacing one Williams for another. Bennett Williams, senior night, he goes out the door. Uh, you wrote about his his brother who is you know making mom happy by by going to Oregon. What's the connection with the with the Williams family in Oregon? Yeah, you know, so so Bennett ended up there uh, a couple of years ago. He was a transfer from Illinois, and, and that's really kind of where he he resurrected his career. Uh, I mean. If he didn't have the, uh, the the freak leg injury in, in 2021, you know, I, I think he you could make a case that he was Oregon's best defensive player the last two years. And um, I know it's kind of scary if you're a Ducks fan to to look at the team's defense last year and to lose your leading tackler and one of the guys who was actually consistent day in and day out. But um, you know, bringing in Ed, bringing in Evan, who was pretty darn good at Fresno. Uh, before he had his own knee injury last year, that kind of knocked him out for a month. You know, he was probably he was probably well on his way to, to leaving and graduating, and, and at least testing the waters of the NFL. And and for Oregon to be able to kind of grab a player who is very familiar with Oregon, he you know he was in the stands for the Holiday Bowl, and he didn't quite know that those were going to be his teammates at the time. But 
Um, he, he has certainly gotten a scouting report from from Bennett, and so I, I think you know they're not exactly the same player, but they play similar positions, and I, I think just being able to add some of those kind of plug and play types. Um, you know, I, I think you've got to take every transfer, especially this day and age, with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, we <laughs> there's a tendency of any time that any player in the transfer portal ends up at another school, it's it's big breaking news, and, and everyone's quick to anoint you know this team as they're going to playoffs or bust. And you know, there's always kind of a reason that somebody's in the portal. But but I think that just the adjustment phase here is going to be a really smooth one for the Ducks for a for a quality football player. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about. Bucky Irving, you wrote about Bucky Irving, and you know you're you're. Are you predicting 1,500 yards for the Oregon running back next season? Is that are you going on record with that? I I'm, I'm going on record with that. He he got just over a thousand yards this year, and that was with. Uh, so he was third. So, excuse me. He 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 was only getting like 12 to 15 carries per game, but he was averaging six, you know darn near seven yards per carry. And you know this was kind of something that I debated with all year because you did hear a lot of chatter of like, oh, he reminds me a little bit of Michael James. And you know obviously those that's a pretty uh, pretty big name to compare somebody to. But I was talking to Oregon former Oregon running back coach Gary Campbell last week, and I kind of brought that up to him a little bit, just like, hey, you know this guy. This guy's got a little bit of wiggle out there. You know, he reminds me a little bit of what Michael and, and Gary just kind of laughed. He's like, that kid's really good. And so I think if, if they're able to kind of feed him the ball, and that's something that Gary kind of said too, he's like, I would have I would have played him more. Uh, I think he's got the potential to put up a, put up probably Oregon's best rushing season since, you know, Royce Freeman's peak, if, if not kind of Kenyon Barner or Michael before him, because he's, he's, he just makes guys miss. And that's something that, you didn't see from like the CJ Burdell types uh, during his time at Oregon. I mean, Burdell could certainly break out and get you know multiple 200 plus yard games, but it seemed like he was on the the injury report every other week just because he was taking a beating. Like you know, Bucky can lower his shoulder, but just looking at some of the kind of the advanced stats as well, he had about I think it was double the amount of forced missed tackles this year as of any of, of uh, CJ Burdell's peak seasons, and being able to have a, a complete off season. Um, I, I think people forget that Bucky didn't get to Eugene, or Bucky didn't transfer to Oregon until after spring practice, and he, he came to came to Eugene to to join a depth chart that already had a lot of kind of commonly known names. You know, by by week two or week three, it was pretty clear that he was uh, far and away the best best player on there. And so he's obviously going to be competing for for carries with Noah Whittington and Jordan James and some of the other guys that they brought in. But I, I just get the feeling that this is going to be one of those years where where uh, you have a performance that people are going to remember for quite some time. Tyson Alger, I five corridor with us. Uh, looking across the Pac twelve, you've got a couple few things going on. Utah's the defending defending champion. USC's got the Heisman Trophy winner. Oregon's got Bo Nix back. Michael Penix Jr. is coming back at Washington. Oregon State uh, appears to be poised for a breakthrough. How will the Beavers respond to not being an underdog, though? That is a question. This is going to be a new a new role for Jonathan Smith's team. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating because I – I think Oregon State is going to be a dark horse playoff team next year because if you look at their their season from 2022, they lose to Washington by a field goal, they lose to USC by a field goal, and if you even look at that US or sorry the Utah game where they got blown out a bit, that was a game that they threw four interceptions. One of them was a pick six, and the other put uh, Utah in in the red zone right away. So I think if if you're able to get similar type of defensive play. 
um, I, I think they have that potential. And it's just, you know, I was worried about that team in 2022 because this Oregon State is never the team that is, uh, you know, dancing around uh, the, the signing day class in December and touting it out as, you know, this is one of our best ever. But it just seems like they add the right type of pieces. And for, for Oregon State to take the step forward that they did in 2022, you know, after kind of those baby steps uh, that Smith has, has kind of uh, led that program on, I just I just think they're very fundamentally sound. I think they're the only team in the conference that that ha- of those contenders, maybe outside of Utah, that has a defense that you can actually go into the season relying on. You know, I, I think obviously with the talent on some of the rosters, I mean, Oregon and USC and Washington, maybe they have higher ceilings, but those teams have huge question marks. Like the, the way that Oregon ended the season on defense, the way that USC ended the season on defense, like those teams can't get a whole lot better offensively than they did. And they need to fix. They need to fix a lot on that back end. With Oregon State, like I, like I said earlier, I think they were a quarterback a quarterback away from being in the Pac-12 title game last year, and they got their quarterback. So it's just going to be a matter of, you know, it, it's no longer than just kind of being the the the, the trap game, if, if you will. Like they're they're going to be circled on the schedule. People are going to be coming for them. But I, I think they're ready for that. What about a team of the ones I mentioned? If Washington, Utah, Oregon. USC, Oregon State, in your mind, most likely to take a step backwards? <sighs> That's the, you know, I'd, I'd be a little worried about Washington. You know, I, I want to see kind of just full range improvement from them just because their, their passing attack this year was as good as it can be. And I mean, you know, Washington had a great season. I'm not criticizing them by any means, but they, they won what was it, 11 games this year, Michael Penix threw for what felt like 3,000 or 30,000 yards. Like, like it was, it was very, very, very good, but you know, you know, we'll, we'll see how that can translate because you, you have the bare minimum have to repeat that. And you have a lot of pressure. You have a lot of hype. I do like their coach a lot. I think the board is, um, I think he's a very consistent, I mean, what he did at Fresno and, 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 you know, what he did in one year after Jimmy Lake, I, I think that's great. But, um, you know, I, I have some worries about Oregon as well, too. Just that that defense was really rough down the stretch last year, and the offensive line was great for Oregon throughout the entire season, but you're graduating a lot of players from, from that line. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think Oregon and Washington are probably the most susceptible there because USC's defense was garbage last year, and that's obviously going to be the focus for Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley's team, especially when you're bringing back the Heisman Trophy winner and, and Caleb Williams. I kind of worry, you know, a lot went right for Washington down the stretch. And Utah, yep. Utah, I mean, they just played well when they needed to play well, but I you can see some you can see some cracks in in sort of the uh the empire there, but I still think Kyle Whittingham will pull them together. Um I think there's questions for USC, there's questions for Oregon. I think it's going to be a great season. Tyson, you've been all over it. Where can people find your work and and receive it every day? Yeah, if, if, if people want to just check it out, it's i-5corridor.com. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Tyson Alger. But, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's been really fun kind of creating this the last couple of years and, and being able to take what, what I hope is a unique approach on, on covering sports in this state and, and beyond and, and just trying to tell kind of good and quality stories that, you know, hopefully somebody reads and thinks that it was worth paying the couple bucks a month it cost to read. So. Um, yeah, I would, would be would be very grateful if people would be willing to check it out and 
you know, if you don't want to fork over the money, we, we do have we do put out free stories on occasion as well too. So give, give it a check. There's a free trial. Um, yeah, and I definitely appreciate the signal boost, John. Yeah. Hey, look, and I I told you today I was I was uh, going back through some old emails and I found a piece you wrote last last March about Bruce Barnum, the Portland State coach, and you showing up for the first day of spring football and. You know, I got lost in it. Like, I mean, it's really quality work, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, there. I, I think there are fewer people out there that are dedicated, uh, as we've seen the downfall of newspapers over the years. And I just think you're doing great work. So I encourage people to check out i5corridor.com. Tyson, thank you. Hey, thanks so much, John. There he is, Tyson Alger. Which team is most likely to take a step back? Five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five. You got the PFT. I'll give you my answer on that front, and I want yours next. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.